Colossians chapter number 2. Amen. I've been trying to get through this idea, doing everything I can to get around it, and I'm not doing too good. I got 18 points. I've only got through eight. Amen. We'll, we'll chisel away. This one, this one tonight is kind of like a death of a thousand cuts. Not just one big giant whack. I was liking that already. See her smiling. Lay it on the Colossians 2, verse 8. Hey, let's read verse 7. Root and build up in him. Established in the faith. That's that's the goal, ain't it? As you have been taught, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be able to take time and sit and listen to somebody. That's what Mary did. She did the best part, right? Martha was cumbered about much serving. Mary was at his feet, hearing the word. That's, that's the best part. Amen. As you have been taught, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Amen. Being in school with Jesus. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. That's what I want to do. I just want to be a thankful. I just want to have a thankful spirit. You know, somebody said, let your attitude be gratitude. That's, man, if I, if I just nail that one thing down, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, what? Then everything you're giving thanks. Amen? I, I try, I, I've been trying to tell my Uncle Dwayne that, you know, and he'll call me up, something bad will happen. He said, I got to thank the Lord, Clifford. Why? My van broke down, my lawnmower broke down, my computer broke down. Amen? I mean, you just, you got to thank God for everything. And everything. Amen? And if we can have a, happy attitude. I've said this before, Brother Nick. I, I not ever told you, but uh, somebody asked you, how you doing today? You know, you know what a Christian's response ought to be to that? Better. I'm doing better today than I was yesterday. Amen. Amen. I'm doing better since I've been saved. Amen. Listen, I was just reading the other day, better is a little with the fear of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's good. I mean, think about that. Better dry morsel, quietness therewith. I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Why? Because I got a better resurrection coming. Amen. Amen. I have a better hope. Amen. <laughs> I got better promises. Yeah. Amen. Jesus is so much the better. I'm doing better. Amen. Doing better than I ought to. Amen. It'd be good. It'd be just good if I incorporate that in my brain. How you doing today? I'm doing better. Doing better. He, he may be better. Man, if I get a hold of that thing, I can be a blessing to everybody I'm around. You know? If I, if I got a gratitude attitude, my wife would be glad to see me when I come home. Even if I had two cups of coffee. Hey, man, I start drinking coffee, my family runs for the hills. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're coming alive. Amen. Amen. Verse 8. Beware. Caution. Warning. Sirens ought to be going off right there. I mean, that's an alarm. You, you ought to circle that real big and red in your Bible, man. I mean, you ought to. Warning! <laughs> Amen. Beware of what? Lest any man. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if it's Greg Step, Dr. Ruttman, Rick Sile, Cliff Park, Sam Gibb. Right? Doesn't matter. You got to beware of any man. Even if he is God called, ordained preacher. Hallelujah. That, that's a tough one right there. You know what we do sometimes? We, we we overlook and got a feeling that that man, there's something special about him. The only thing special about him is that God's touched him with his hand. Amen. And he's anointed him, but he's still a man at best. 
If you follow any of the guys around, you'll be disappointed. You know what? They all got an old nature. That old nature will break out on them. But when they pray and they study and they get alone and they, they spend time with God and they walk into the pulpit, hopefully that old man is so crucified, all you can see is a new man come forward. You understand? If you get around any one of them long enough, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> Amen. There's probably people in their ministry that's disappointed when they see the old man show up. Amen. I mean, you just got to be aware. Lest any man, any man's got, got a little bad nature, you know, you write down Jeremiah 9, 4 to 6 right there. That's that's what you want to realize. It says, uh, trust you not in any brother. Any brother. That's, that's a pretty deep thing right there. Micah 7, 5, trust you not in a friend. How many people have been hurt by the friends, deceived by the friends? I, got, I know a guy I went to church with, ate in his home. He's a good brother in the Lord. He got saved. When he got saved, the man who was discipling him, Stole his wife. You gotta be careful, man. Here, the man got saved. The guy's disciple and coming over his house for having coffee and drinks and donuts and whatever, and he's teaching about Jesus and he steals his wife. I'm telling you, man, you, you talk about wicked. Yep. Got, he got out. He got out, man. He had the same eye black seven times. He's a former marine, and he said he'd get sit taken into jail for fighting. He was all twisted up. And he wound up going there, and the, the jailer said, you sit here, you, you sleep here, you sleep here, you sleep there. Told Randy, you sleep over there. And sure enough, Randy had the only bunk with King James Bible. God met him in the jail and began to talk to him. I'll tell you what, they put that guy, they clipped that guy's wings, man. He went, mm. knocked him out. But you know what? He got good, he got good stuff, got reacquainted with the Lord, got things worked out, got a good wife, got some children. Me and him were talking about some books by Watchman Nee about the cross and crucified life. And it's not I, but Christ. But I tell you what, that's that's what it's all about, ain't it? Everybody's got an old nature. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. You can put whatever you want to put right there. I just think it's man's opinions. <clears throat> Amen. Got to beware of men's opinions. Men, what they think about. What do you think that verse says? That's the worst Sunday school you can ever sit in. Hey, man, I've sat in the good old boy Sunday schools. What do you think it says? Jim Bob? Well, Billy Joe, I think it means this. Well, how about you, Leroy? What do you think? Well, I, I look at this. Well, how about you? Huh? And, and that's all they do. They just sit back and talk and tell some stories. And they think they, they learn some Bible. And all they're doing is just giving their opinion. They ain't teaching the book. I've sat in those Sunday schools. You, I, I just about want to go vomit. Amen. What's to say of the scriptures? What's to say of the scriptures? Listen, beware of philosophy. Philosophy is nothing other than man's opinion about a certain topic or subject. It's just his opinion. His thoughts about life. It's not Bible. You understand? And vain deceit that's empty, empty, vain, empty. Right? They're following something that's not real. It's empty. It's vain. It's worthless. It's a worthless pursuit. They believe something that's not worth believing. Right. Amen? Fairy tales. That's what they're done. They're, they've turned from the faith to the what? Fables. Fables. That's what it is. It's vain to see. They're following something that's it's mythological. Eh? Amen. It's something you can't get a hold of, like originals. <laughs> 
Yeah, go ahead and get a hold of that. I, I listened, Uncle sent me a video yesterday. Is Rockman right? Question mark. Some guy makes his own little homemade kitchen video. And he's attacking doctrines and things about Dr. Ruckman. And the first thing he does, he starts correcting him about advanced revelations in the King James Bible. And he says, it's not in the Texas Receptus. And I go, you got no idea what you just said. He's wanting to say he's got a so-called King James Bible. It looks like a, a Bible from local church publishers up there, sermon note Bible, just why I could see the way it's laid out. It's a note-taker's Bible. And uh, he's got a King James Bible, but guess what? He's correcting Dr. Ruckman's belief about advanced revelations in the King James Bible, and he's saying that he's correcting the Texas Receptus, but he's not reading from the Receptus. You understand what I'm saying? He is reading from something that he says is inferior. His final authority is a Texas Receptus, not a King James Bible. And the sad part about it is the King James Bible didn't come from the Texas Receptus. The Texas Receptus came about because of the King James Bible. That's right. The King James Bible came about from over 5,000 different manuscripts, not just one Greek text. That's right. And it wasn't called Texas Receptus until 1632, the Elsberg Brothers' second edition of the Greek. They had multiple translations, multiple Bibles. They had all kinds of papyri and, and stuff. They had all kinds of articles and things written from the church fathers to compare scriptures with scriptures and, and try to find out and come to the conclusion, let's get the very word of God, and they come out with a King James Bible. Then they came out with a Texas Receptus Greek text. I'm telling you, the King James Bible is not comprised of the text Receptus. And these guys are Receptus men thinking that they can turn around and correct this book. And they couldn't read it the way it was originally written. The King James Bible is God advanced revelations in it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we, they, these guys just better be careful. And in my mind, instead of studying on what I'm preaching tonight, my mind was all for it because it these guys are hung up on Old Testament, New Testament salvation. Yep. They cannot believe that there, there would be something different from the Old Testament, New Testament. Right. And I'm telling you, there's it is different. Yep. Why'd it change? Yep. Why is there a New Testament to begin with? Exactly. If the old one did the job, why do we need a new one? Amen. Something happened. Christ died and something changed. If it's the same, how'd it change? Amen. And Old Testament saints, like Abraham, went to a place in the center of the earth. Today, we go to a place up the third heaven. Something's changed. Amen. These guys can't even get it. They can't even get it. We know a guy that says dispensationalists are satanic, and he, he can't comprehend that there's wow. two testaments in his Bible. There's wow. an old and new testament. There's at least two dispensations. Right? <laughs> and he says we're satanic we believe in a dispensation and it's a bible word appears four times huh. these guys are, these guys are looney tunes they, they can't handle it listen every dispensation has an element of faith in it I'll grant you that you can go to Hebrews 11 every dispensation got an element but every dispensation got an element of works even in a millennium I know Doc Rubin said it's only it's only sight 
Because you still got to believe that guy's sitting on that throne when you're looking at him, who so he says he is. <laughs> you got to you got to say, okay, I see you, and you say you're God, but uh, you got to take that by faith. And this dispensation, he did all the work, and he gave me the faith, and asked me to turn to him and take him, and I did. I turned. I trusted. I received. Amen. And he gave me the gift of eternal life. He did all the work. So these guys can't, these guys can't get a hold of that stuff. Listen, it's, it's the blood all the way through. Amen. Adam and Eve had shed blood. God killed innocent animals and clothed them. He shed blood. Right? Abel shed blood. Right? Noah shed blood. <laughs> Abraham shed blood. Moses and them shed blood. David shed blood. Solomon shed blood. Jesus Christ shed blood. Amen. But what Christ's blood could do, what blood and bulls and goats could not do. Amen. Amen. So listen, there's an element of blood, there's an element of faith, there's an element of repentance. Amen. But they got to understand that it is different. And, and these guys just can't read plain English. I mean, they fire me up. So what am I doing? I'm trying to avoid philosophy. I'm trying to avoid vain deceit. I'm trying to avoid the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. You understand? So uh, I'm watching out for philosophy, vain deceit, the traditions of men. And then 1 Timothy 6.20 we covered, uh, which was avoid science falsely so-called. And men are putting all their faith in science and they're sitting back saying, if it can't be uh, proved in a laboratory, amen, then it's junk. Throw out Christianity because we can't prove it in a laboratory. Well, prove me evolution in a laboratory. Amen. Come on, show me in a laboratory that a man's changing, amen, or growing out of a monkey. Show me a rock producing a, a monkey. Amen. We were watching a video the other night. You know what they said? 250 million years ago. So really, were you there? Who recorded that? Yeah. Huh? Four and a half billion years ago, this was going on. Who, who knows? But we know what happened 6,000 years ago. Yep. There's a man and woman in the garden producing children. Yeah. So how do you know? I got a history book. Amen. Amen. You know, they want to talk about the oldest man on earth. You know who, you know who he was? Methuselah. They want to talk about the other day, the oldest woman to ever give birth. Well, she's just 60 some years old. Well, I know one that was 99 yeah. or 90, right? Sarah? Yeah. I know one that was older than that. I know somebody who was older than Abraham gave birth. Who's the oldest man to have children in the Bible? He had three of them when he was 500 years old. Oh, that would be Noah. It's Noah. He's 500 years old and begat Ham, Shem, and Japheth, triplets. Doesn't say triplets. In the 500th year, he had three sons. <laughs> and in the 600th year, the flood came. And everybody said, no, a priest 120 years. No, that ain't what it says. No. Nope. There's only 100 years there. He has children at 500. God tells him to build a boat. In, 600, in the 600th year of Noah's life, he enters into the ark. You understand? People need to read the Bible. They right. just make presumptions that it says something that it doesn't say. So what I'm saying is I got a history book that tells me the history of mankind 
and they reject it every time. They don't want to believe this is history. But it's history, and it tells man where it came from. And why men hate this book is because it tells them all about them. You know this Bible's full of lies, don't you? It's full of deceit. It's full of sin. Right. It's a holy book, but it records the behaviors of mankind. And he records men lying and fornicating and sodomizing. You understand? And idol worshiping and murdering. Amen? And listen, it's full of stuff. They murder Jesus Christ. This book's a history. It's negative towards mankind. It's a negative history towards man. That's why they want it banned, because it tells man exactly what he really is. And that's why I love it. And that's why I like old-time preachers. It's, you know, preachers will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Because then you know he's going to be shooting straight with you. I want somebody to shoot straight with me. Amen? So we got to beware of false science, evolution, climate change, doctors with the vaccinations and all this other kind of stuff. And, and now they're trying to do uh, stuff in laboratories that's just not even worth talking about. What they're, trying, they're trying to go places with uh, all that stem cell research and all this other kind of stuff and cloning and doing all that other kind of See, they're trying to get to a place where they think they're gone. And right now this thing called CERN, has anybody heard about CERN? CERN's over there in Switzerland, Geneva, Switzerland. It's a machine that they've built. There's a thing called the God Particle. And they got a tunnel, this, this laser-type machine that goes over 17 miles long, and they're trying to build it. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to thrust into a new dimension to try to reach out and touch Lucifer. They're trying to open the abyss. This, this is what they're talking They're trying to reach out and touch the light, which they think is the light, which is the light bearer, Lucifer. But they're going to come up with darkness. And all these rock singers like Madonna and other people are all talking about this kind of junk and singing songs about it. And they're talking about opening the abyss and bringing back all those fallen angels, which they call Nephilim. They're trying to reach another dimension. They want aliens and everything to come. Guess what happens in Revelation 12 in your Bible? That there's a war in heaven and Michael and his angels fight Satan and his angels. And Satan's cast down to the earth. Because yeah. he knows he has but a short time. Those beings are coming to America and the world. They're going to get a hold of something they don't want to get hold of. Star Wars shows you having time and fun with these aliens. And I'm telling you what, they're going to get a hold of devils. When them devils show up, they're not going to have a fun time with them. They ain't coming here to smoke pot and drink beer. They're coming to put them folks in hell and torment them. You can bank on that. <laughs> I'll tell you, listen, and they're supernatural. And they got supernatural power. And God gives them their power. And the Bible said, who is able to make war with the beast? He's got power to kill and take life from the earth. And in Revelation chapter number 8, he takes over a third of the population in one shot. Whoo, over 2 billion people gone. Revelation 6 looks like a quarter of the population. We get down with this thing, we might only be down to about a third of the population. Maybe a fourth of the population. By the time you get through 6.38 years of the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. There's only a portion of it left. He said, except those days be short, what? No flesh, you say. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's fixing to pour it out and pour it out double. Not only have you got to face the wrath of Satan in Revelation 12, they got to face the wrath of the Lamb in Revelation 6. 
Then in Revelation 14, Revelation 15, and 16, they've got to face the wrath of God. And when all that's being poured out, and God says, give her double. <laughs> he said, all right, we're going to tip this cup of, of an indignation full. We're going to dump that out. What else is he dumping out on? Huh? Yeah, but what else? He's dumping out his cup of indignation. There's something else he's pouring out. The essence of the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. Revelation 5. He's going to take, or Revelation, is it 5 or 8? Anyways, he's pouring out. Yeah. He's pouring out the prayers of the saints. I wonder if you got, you got any precatory prayers in that cup? You know what imprecatory prayers, don't you? Imprecatory prayers when you pray God's judgment on somebody. You know what the people are doing over there in Revelation 5? That are or in Revelation 6, their souls are under the altar and they're praying. They're asking God to avenge their blood. God avenge us. Lord, we lost our head. Our head was cut off. God avenge us. Well, I'm telling you what, God's going to avenge them. I mean, precatory prayers we got going up. Something to think about, ain't it? Listen, this, this world's fixing to get it. Amen. They're, they're, they're trying to open the abyss, they're trying to reach out and touch something. They're going to wish they left alone. Man has gone too far. To me, this is beyond the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. Tower of Babel, God said, nothing to be held withheld from them. Yep. Amen. He said, let's come down, confound our language, stop that UN. Now the man is coming back together, UN. We're going to join together. We're all going to be one. There ain't going to be no white. ain't going to be no black. There ain't going to be no yellow. ain't going to be no brown. There ain't going to be no male. There ain't going to be no female. We're all going to be one. We're all going to be unified. We're just going to be a melting pot, we're all going to have complete unity. Well, I'll tell you what. Zephaniah 3, 9, 3, 8. My determination is to destroy the nations. God is determined to destroy them. He's putting hooks in their jaws. He's drawing them into the Middle East. He's fixing to wipe them out. Man, what a God. What a God that people believe this book. Yeah. Beware, beware of men, beware of philosophy, beware of tradition, beware of science, false of gold, beware of false prophets we dealt with the other day. Old Joey Smith, the Mormonite, Judge Rutherford, Mary Baker Eddy, Kenneth Copeland, Betty Hinn, Todd Bentley, Pat Robertson, and multitudes of more. Amen. We discussed beware of men, beware of scribes. Amen. They take away the key of knowledge, the lawyers. One of you lawyers are taking away the key of knowledge. They don't they don't took this book away. Amen. Most people don't even believe this is God's word anymore. You know what this is? This is an ashtray hole. Amen. You got an ashtray, you set it on top of it, let all the ashes fall over. You know, it collects dust. I like what Dr. Ruttman brought out one time. A little girl wanted to impress her visiting pastor and told her daughter, said, Honey, would you go get the book that mommy so loves, cherishes and adores? And she brought her back to TV guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she thought she'd be so pious and you know, let the preacher know. And that little girl knew exactly what mommy wanted. She wanted the TV guy. That's the one she did. That's good. <laughs> oh, man. Amen. Amen. Beware of leaven. Leaven of the Pharisees, which is Doctor. hypocrisy. I was listening to Dr. Ruckman today. Uh, got downloaded his mark and listening to his mark and you got to bring it out about sodomites. So preacher, that's all you ever talk about them. Hang on, we're getting there. 
And uh, he said, you know what? He said, sodomites are the biggest hypocrites around. So what do you mean? You know what a hypocrite is? It's a pretender. They pretend to be something they're not. A Hollywood actor pretends. You know what a sodomite's pretending? One of them's pretending to be a woman. Taking the place of a woman. Pretending to be a woman. Pretending to be the wife in the marriage. You know what that is? That's a hypocrite. That's a phony. That's a fake. That's a fraud. That's a pretender. And then a woman wants to pretend that she's a man putting on his boots, his clothes, his wallet, jaw to back in her mouth, short hair, driving a pickup truck. She's playing the butch, the man. You know what she's doing? She's pretending to be what she ain't, a man. You understand? Those are pretenders. Got a pretender right there. It's one of my cousins. She no longer wants to be called Mandy. Her new name's Ryan. She's a pretender. She thinks she got set free by coming out of the closet becoming a man. My Uncle Dwayne's witness to her. Begged her, pleaded with her, told her her sin's wrong and rotten. And she dove off and now she's going so far not just to have a lesbian relationship, but now she wants to be the man of the relationship. She's a pretender. That's hypocrisy. She's not a man. I don't care what the doctor does to your body. Mm. And you know the thing about it is if that girl could possibly get saved what would be the genuine fruit of real repentance in her life she'd come back she'd change back to becoming a woman and see that'd be a good sign of repentance wouldn't it we expect smokers to throw their cigarettes away right we expect drunks to throw their booze away we expect dopers to get rid of their dope we expect men to cut their long hair we expect women to feminize right but we don't expect sodomites to change. Well, I go a step farther. We expect sodomites to change. If they get saved, we expect them to quit sodomites. So a man, a couple shacking up, we expect them to get married, don't we? I expect people to, I expect changes in people's lives. And I don't think it takes you a year to repent and turn your truck around from sin. <laughs> Amen. I believe if God deals with you over your sin, I believe there'll be a change. I believe you take God's side against it, you'll fear it, you'll quit it, you'll want out of it. See, preachers don't expect changes anymore because they don't preach that there needs to be a change. Because they don't believe a man needs to repent and turn from his evil ways. Amen. I believe if the thief's been out still, and I think you'll make restitution. I believe there'll be a change in a person's life. Amen. Eleven, hypocrisy. Pretending to be something they're not. You know what word church is full of? One guy said this like this years ago. He said, you preachers preach truth as fiction. We in a theater preach fiction as though it's truth. You talk about condemnation. Yep. Preachers preaching truth as though it's fiction. We're, we got the truth. Well, preaching is truth. Preachers ought to preach as though they believe people that they're preaching to is going to sizzle in hell. They don't get saved. Amen. I believe that. I believe if a man dies without Jesus Christ, within the next second, he wakes up in hell burning in the flames of hell. Amen. I believe Robert Schuller, preacher in the Crystal 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 Cathedral. 
Cathedral. <laughs> Cathedral. Yes. Amen. I believe he died a few months back. First thing I thought of, he's right down there with Teddy Kennedy right now. I don't believe the man was saved. The comments that man said, the things that I've heard him say, and was against repentance, and believed funny Bibles, and he praised Billy Graham for saying there's a wideness and a mercy of God that non-believing Christians could go to heaven. I ain't nothing but a devil making them kind of statements. I don't believe you're saved. Amen. I didn't get no amens on that one. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people out there pretending to be something they're not. And there are a lot of people coming to you in the name of Christ. You read Matthew 24 over there. Many, 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 many. I told my uncle, I said, how many, how many many's do you think there are on the radio? If there's many false prophets and many false teachers and many false Christ and many's going to go to hell. I said, how many people do you think saved on the radio when you turn them on and listen to them? He said, there will only be a few be saved, right? Yep. Right, amen. All right, let's go to Luke. Luke chapter number 12. Don't you guys like my rehash? <laughs> Go back over my notes, get you into context where we're at, rehash. That's why I can't ever get through this stuff. But you learn by repetition. You go through it. Amen. I'll give you this just for fun. Verse 13, Luke 12, 13. One, one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak unto my brother that he divide inheritance with me. And he said unto him, what? Man, who may be a judge or or divide over you. I had to show that one to my mom because every time I'd say she'd say something, I said, oh, "Man," she goes, "What's this man thing?" That's all you ever do is go, "Man, man, man." Then I showed her. I said, "Look what Jesus did." He said, "I'm there, man." <laughs> Who made me divide? <laughs> uh, that was for fun. Hey, Amen. I had to show that to my mom. She goes, "You got a verse for everything, don't you?" I said, "Well, pretty much." Amen. Yeah. Hey, verse fifteen, and he said unto them, "Take heed and beware of what." Covetousness. That one hurts. Right? For a man's life consists of not the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, if you listen to radio, you watch your newspapers, you uh, look at magazines, uh, your life must consist and you must purchase. You must purchase. You listen to these guys on the radio and everything else, you're nothing but a good-for-nothing scoundrel if you ain't out spending hundreds of dollars on Valentine's Day, hundreds of dollars on Mother's Day, hundreds of dollars on Sweetest Day. You're nothing but a dirty, low-down, good-for-nothing scoundrel if you're just not going to the store and spending your money to fill your house full of all this stuff that you need. And one thing after another, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, all them ads, amen? All talk hosts, radio shows, sports, every bit of that, all that is is to entertain you between commercials because they're only on there to sell you stuff. And the better the entertainment is, the maybe the better they'll sell a product. Amen. You know what advertisement is? This is what Dr. Estep said. Advertisement's nothing more than to create a desire in you to purchase something you don't need. Because if you need it, you need Drano, you're going to store to buy Drano. Right? <laughs> Amen. If you need it, you need ant repellent, you're going to go get ant repellent. You, you, need, you need groceries, you're going to go get groceries. You don't have to have somebody showing you stuff.
But advertisement, the billboards, everything you do is all to appeal to your lust, to your flesh. That's what the smell is when you walk into Sam's and it's got samples here. Here, eat samples, you know. And every time you turn an aisle, there's a fresh bite of this and a fresh bite of that. And they're pulling out chocolate chip cookies. And, you know, I mean, you, you used to walk into Ryan or Gold Corral and they have all that bread oh, yeah. cooking out there. Here, free rolls. Hey, man, we'll give you a 10-cent roll and, as long as you don't eat that big steak over there. Right? They always come and I'd pay 10 bucks for dinner and they'd come over and ask my wife, you want a baked potato? Here's a 10 cent potato. <laughs> I said, forget the 10 cent potato. Forget the bread. I'm going to the meat. And I went to the meat and I stacked up the steaks and I put on the grilled chicken and I, I mean, I ate plates full. I said, they're losing money on me today, but <laughs> Amen. But they want to fill you up with all this filler junk and bring on all these. Would you like a blueberry muffin? Nope. I want, nope. I want the meat. Amen. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Amen. Listen, that's what they want to do. But they're trying to sell you. They're trying to advertise. They're trying to, to take you if they can. Listen, if you need something, you're going to go buy. If you need a tire, you're going to go buy a tire. But they always got to have sales. They always got to be trying to show you stuff. They create a desire in you to buy something you do not need. Right. Listen, I, I I shouldn't be proud of it. I probably am. But there is not one carnival or one fair, amen, in the state of Ohio that's got one penny, nickel, dime, or quarter from me. I haven't gone and spent my money at Kings Island. I haven't spent my money at Cedar Point. Amen. You say, why? All that is is a place designed to take my money. I'd rather put it in missions. I'd rather put it in a church. I'd rather sit down and play chess with my daughter or play around the golf with my son and do something where we could be together. We used to go fishing all the time. Man, it got to where it was so expensive. By the time I could go fishing, they're better off just going to get a fish dinner somewhere. Right? By the time I could try to spend all day long and spend 50 bucks in gas and license and bait and doing all that stuff, and they come home and fillet them and, and cook them and do all that stuff, man, I could already been sitting in my lazy boy at home eating some fish from Bob Evans. Amen. So what are you saying? I'm just saying all those places are is the appeal to the lust of your flesh. I don't know if Priscilla's as bad as she used to be, but she used to be love pink, and everything had to be pink. And I said, Priscilla, I said, all, all they got to do is make anything in this world pink, she'd buy it. Right? Pink guitar, pink space heater, amen, pink chair, pink thing. I mean, that's what they do. And you go into the store, what do they do? They create every, your, all your favorite colors. Whatever you want's in your favorite color. And it all glitters and sparkles and smells good, and right? This one lady the other day, we came up across her car, and uh, on her car she had all these things stacked across her dash of her car. And there were all these flowers that were dancing. Had all these dancing flowers. <laughs> Just hook, hook, line, sinker. Buying knickknacks, buying junk, and that's what they do. And they know it. And they create things, and they create collector's items. Do what? Just to get in your pocket. Right. Amen. They want your money. They want to take from you. Why? We're covetous people. We have a covetous nature. Paul said, I had not known sin except the law said, thou shalt not covet. Look at, look at what this man says. Amen. A man's life consists of not the things that he possesses. Another way, let me put it to you, 2015 terminology. I've seen it on a bumper sticker. He that dies with the most toys, what? Wins. That's what they said. You know what? That's just the opposite of what God said. Man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. 
Amen. Life doesn't come from a motorcycle. You can have fun, but that's not life. Right. Right? I'm not against a motorcycle or a jet ski or a boat or a shotgun. Listen, I went up to my friend's house up there. I shot I shot a few times with some clay pigeons. That ain't my life. I'm not going to prevent. Some guy wants me to come down and shoot all the time. My life's not filling up, uh, uh, going and buying cases of shells and just going out and shooting. That's not my life. Christ is my life. Amen. And I, I want to be consumed with him. And I want to be consumed with reaching people and doing some things for him. It's not what I consist. It's not the size of my house. It's not the size of the tires and, of my truck. Amen? People want us to get wrapped up in things. There's nothing wrong with things. But when things have you, that's the problem. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build craters. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, thou hast a 401k, plenty of money laid up for the many years. You got your retirement. Amen? <laughs> right? Take thine ease, eat, drink, and what? Be merry. There's, there's the world's retirement verse. That's what he's thinking. I've worked hard. I've saved a lot. I'm just going gonna, gonna to retire early. I'm not going to work till I'm 65. I'm retiring at 50. Why? Because I got it made, man. I got it made better than everybody else. So I'm just going to relax and enjoy life. Have you ever read the verses in the Bible about being idle? An idle mind is a devil's workshop. Idle hands are a devil's workshop. Through idleness, the house dropped through. They were idle. They were idle. The devil likes to work through idleness. But look what he says. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasure, what? For himself is not rich, where? Toward God. I, I just want to be careful on trying to lay a bunch of junk up for me. My goal is not to lay up a bunch of money and set it aside for my children. You understand? To where my children can be, they get several hundred thousands of dollars and get to where they're useless in life. That ain't the goal. My goal is to train my children how to be able to take care of themselves, walk with God, and allow God to bless them, and that they might be able to know to give and follow a decent life. Amen? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We're talking about covetousness. The Bible gives us all kinds of warnings about it. Amen? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, said, Covetousness, which is idolatry. Amen? Basically, it's the lust of the flesh and who you ultimately worship. You're worshiping yourself. Amen? And, I, and I, I'm not trying to just kick things. I'm just talking about, like Christmas, what do you want? You understand? It's all about what? It's what I want. See, that's covetousness. Amen? I, I, I got to have it. Nabal. Ahab said, I want Nabal's vineyard. He went home, pouted, curled up in bed. Jesse said, what you want, honey? He said, he won't give me a vineyard. Well, I'll get it for you. Covenant. Killed a man. You know what David wanted? He looked over the balcony when he should have been out at war. He seen a woman bathing. He praying, I want her. You know what Achan wanted? He called the troubler of Israel. He seen that gold, that Babylonian garment. He took it. Covetous. 
when Eve saw that the food was, the fruit was good, amen, pleasant to the eyes, to make one wise, she took. You know what it was? Covetousness. Mine eye affected my heart, Lamentation 351. My eye affects my heart. You know what, they, you know what they're doing? They're taking old-time packages and they're repackaging so they sparkle and glitter. So when you walk by the pop machine, you walk by the snack machine, that thing's talking to you. See? It's all to draw you in. Amen. Why do you think all that stuff's at the counters when you walk up? You gotta walk through all this stuff. It's all designed for little kids to scream and shout and grab things and throw in the cart before you leave. Amen. Covetousness. Covetousness. I challenge you. And some of the senior ladies in here might already be past this, but uh, get you a hundred dollars out of the bank, walk in the store, see if you can walk out without spending a hundred. See if you can walk out without breaking it. That's a tough thing to do. Be able to walk in the store and walk out without spending. Yeah. Amen. That's a victory. I think if you can walk out of the store, amen, walk up and down the aisle and walk out and never spend a dime, I think you did pretty good that day. Like a friend of mine I taught Sunday school with, used to work with a guy named Dave Gray. His wife said, man, look what all I say is 50% off. He goes, just imagine what you would have saved and you wouldn't spend nothing. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. First Timothy six, verse nine. Well, we ought to we ought to go up to verse five. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing gain is what? Godliness. Godliness. From such withdraw thyself. God don't want you to be around a covetous person. Amen. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Man. If I could just put those two together. And connect them up into my life. I really got a hold of some. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be. My, my, my. The Bible says, Philippians over there, he says, he said, uh, whatsoever state you're in, be content. That's the smallest state of the union. <laughs> Amen. State of content. Verse 9, they that what? Will. will. You see that? You know what will is there? It's your desire. They that will be rich. See, they desire to be rich. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to have everything I want. I mean, that's what that health and wealth and prosperity gospel is doing out there. Except for a dollar. I need $65 million to buy me a new jet. Amen. You ever see him? He said, come on. Give God your money, and they filled his platform full of money, and him and his associate pastor, they're dancing all through the money, and people are just running up, and they're just throwing money on the altar, and he's just dancing through the money. Encouraging them to give and give and give and give and give. Health and wealth, prosperity. You want God, you want to be rich? Give! You want to be rich? Give! You want to be rich? Give! And people are running down the aisles, throwing wads of money, and he's dancing all through it on the altar, asking God to bless it. They're liars. Why don't you turn around and give it to me? <laughs> Help my little church out. Amen. They don't practice what they preach. I'm just trying to tell you, I'm not against giving to God. And I believe God will bless your 90% that's left. But nowhere in the Bible does it say you're going to become a millionaire. Old Reverend Ike said the lack of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> Amen. Listen, like I told you before, 
God, I sacrificed. I gave to God. I'm talking to God about it. And he said, son, sacrifices are supposed to hurt. Yep. Supposed to be pain involved. That's what it all, the whole purpose is, is you to give up and deny your flesh. Deny yourself or something. That's a sacrifice. Amen. I'm telling you, God will bless. God will do things. What if you got what if you got fifteen hundred dollars saved up to buy an air conditioner and a missionary comes through? And you decide to say, we're going to buy some fans and sweat. We're going to give that missionary 1500 bucks to carry the gospel somewhere. It might be a hot summer. I thank God bless you for eternity. And all them souls that get saved, I think it'll be worth it. But see, people don't see that reward today. Because that reward's in the future. And they see the satisfaction in the flesh today. And they want their flesh satisfied. He said, yea, they that, and, but they that will, the desire, the love for, the craving, the lust, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and what? Hurtful lust. It's many foolish and hurtful lust. You, you go out of your head. When you get extra money in your pocket, listen, people go out of their head. They don't think straight. I know a young man. He just put himself through Wright State. He became an engineer, got a degree, did right, saved all his money up, got married, he had 35 grand in the bank. That's a pretty good thing a young man just did. And his wife, she's been saving money. I don't know how much she saved up. But they just bought a real beautiful home out in Waynesville. I think that's a good thing. I heard Alan Jones say something. I, I didn't do it. I wish I would have. But he says, you get married, you ought to have 20% saved up for your home. You ought to pay, pay bills. Amen. I, I think that's good character. I think that's a good thing. If somebody can save money. I'm not against saving money. I'm not. Listen, go to the end, thou sluggard. Right? He says, go to the end. Study. What she do? She prepares in the summertime for the winter. I'm not against saving. I'm not saying that's hoarding is coveting. What I'm saying is, is what, when you're doing it with God and you're tithing and you're giving and you're doing what God tells you to do, do what God told you to do. But what I'm saying is, is when people are trying to build it all up to make themselves rich so they can buy all the stuff and then begin to show off with it, I think there's sin involved. Mm -hmm. Amen. They fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Look at what it says. Which while some what? Some coveted after. You know what? There's people that do that. I know a man that used to dress his wife up, and I always believed in my heart. When he dressed her up, he wanted me to eat my heart out and say, look at what I got, bud. <laughs> that man had such a wicked attitude about that thing. That she got to where she was no longer pleasing him. And he left her for somebody else. You know why? Because he was ate up with that stuff. He's ate up with things. He's got OCD. The, guy, the guy's got issues, man. There can't be a hair out of place anywhere. There can't be a speck of dust on anything. He's got, he's got a room built just for his Corvette and his Harley. And man, I mean, everything's just got to be He's made idols out of all his things in his body. 
I'm telling you, there's there's issues. He's falling into some foolish and hurtful love. He's making he makes good money. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to look at somebody's life and see what they're doing and where their emphasis is and see how it's destroying him. And I want to learn from what's destroying his life. Amen. I want I want to major on the majors and minor on the minors. Amen. While some coveted after they've erred from the faith. This guy's erred. He threw his family away. His children are all spinning out of control in their life. They can't get traction. Spiritually, they cannot get traction. Because he listened to all the good preaching. He heard all the good things. And he chose covetousness. He erred from the faith. He coveted another person's woman. Or another woman. And all these things. And he got the things. And he got the woman. And then he lost the woman. And now he's got another woman. And he ain't happy. He ain't satisfied. His life's out of control. And his children cannot spiritually get traction. I don't know if it's a direct result of what he did. But I know some of his children hate him. Erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with what? Many sorrows. You know how many people's in debt tonight? I know a preacher. He was always, what, mom, 50, 60,000 in debt all the time? If not up to 80,000. And it, he, he wound up leaving the ministry and he's wound up making all kinds of money. And uh, his wife couldn't be satisfied. They bought a beautiful yellow Mustang. And, uh, Next thing you know, she dumped him, man. She's got a nice house. She got, she dumped him. But he, he couldn't be satisfied. He could not satisfy that woman. And he's out of the ministry today. You know what he's pierced through? Many's hearts. He's mad at the brethren. <laughs> he used to put the blame where it belongs. I love it. I love the guy. But he got fouled up. Some, somewhere he had a problem with money. Amen. Pierced himself through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Or do thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Look at verse 17. Charge them that are what? Rich in this world that to be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God, amen, who giveth rich, us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be ready or rich in what? Good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for them a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Listen, if they're rich and God's blessed them with riches, amen, just make sure. That you take that bounty that God's given you and apply it to the work of God. And that people that need help, I mean genuine help. Listen, everybody needs help. Everybody's like a baby bird. <laughs> right? Hello? Right? Everybody's got needs. Everybody wants. Everybody's got their hands out today. Right? I'm thinking about getting me a sign. A Baptist preacher, need love offer. <laughs> Stand on the street corner and see what happens. <laughs> right? Now, wouldn't that be funny? 
Put on some bib overalls, put a poor mouth looking. I'd probably get tomatoes, but they'd be rotten, amen? Be more honorable than Cropo Dollar, though. Amen. But listen, I'm just saying, there's nothing wrong with having things. If God made one of you guys rich, I mean, praise God, hallelujah. Amen? Listen, I know a church down in Lebanon, and I'll be done. There's a church down in Lebanon. They had one of the richest men in the Miami Valley in their church. He's a multi-millionaire. And when he left and went to another church, their offerings went up. What's that take? What's that take? Because the whole church was dependent on that man to carry. Sometimes that's a danger when you have somebody rich in the church. Because people slack off on their giving and say, well, so-and-so will give. So-and-so will give. Amen? I'm not against. Listen, as a man purposes in heart, so let him what? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes God has given people bounty to be able to reach out above and beyond what others can reach. And there's sometimes needs to go left undone. Listen, the very first service we had in this church, somebody took up an offering, took my cowboy hat, tried to take up an offering for me because I lost a transmission in a car and needed $2,000. There were people here that night that could have paid that off and never even blinked an eye. And that money didn't come in. But the money was there. I know it was beyond what you can even imagine. It was there. I just happened to know. They could have met that need. Never missed it. Never blinked an eye. We would have been greatly helped. But it never came in. And I appreciate the brother that tried to do something. We didn't even ask nobody to do that. But somebody knew the need. And somebody presented the need to a bunch of people. The need could have been met. But it wasn't. Why'd you say that? I'm just trying to say there's people that got money. They can give if they want to. The needs and the burdens need to be presented. I'm not saying we should take them, but that's how God chose to fund his work. But you know the biggest way he funds it? 20 here, 25 there, 30 from here, a widow here, a widow there, amen. Yep. And, and they bring in the monies, and they turn around, and they support, and they bless. Amen, amen, and, and, and those things happen. And I said, there's a lot of missionaries on the field today because somebody's yep. put 10 here, 5 there, 15 Amen. here, 20 there, 30 there. And when you add up, like a church like this, if, if you have five families giving 20 bucks, that's $100 a month to help some missionary. Right. That's a big thing. Sometimes that's a huge sacrifice. Sometimes some people might not ever miss a 20. Other people, that 20 is hard to come by. You know? And so, but if everybody does their part, amen? And God says, according to their purpose in their heart. Listen, all those men were cast in out of their abundance in Luke 18. There's a widow that cast in two mites. It's about half a penny, maybe a quarter of a penny. And she threw in two mites, all she had. And Jesus took notice and said, look at that. That woman cast in more than all they. They cast in out of their abundance. Her out of her living. She took away a portion of her life and gave it. Amen. That was a sacrifice for her. And Jesus took notice of that. Now, Jesus could have blessed her. We don't know what Jesus did for her. Doesn't say what he did. Doesn't say what God did for her. But he took knowledge of the sacrifice. And, you know, the Lord pays attention to what's given, what's done. He knows what he's given us. And he knows what he wants us to do with what he's given us. And if we ever give in a proportion to where he'd be, take notice of it, that's probably a pretty big thing. He said, wow. 
Man, they really stepped up. Man, look at that. You see what they just did? He might be excited about that. Why? Because we stepped up and did something to help somebody. I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? To help somebody that genuinely has a need. Yeah. Amen. So I don't want to be covetous. The Bible said, let him that stole, steal no more. But yea, rather, let him labor, working with his hands, that which is good that he may have to give to others. Not that he might steal again, but that he might give to others. That's why he's supposed to labor. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us.